Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. ...where so much emphasis has been on restriction, isolation, safety. The thing that I've most heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me personally about has been about vision. I write things down all the time in this books like this. I go through almost uh, one every six months. And so let me just show you, here's on the 9th of May. That's only about a month or so ago. And this is one of the things I wrote down on that time when I was in prayer. Uh, for all of us, our vision is too small. I felt that was right from God. If I go back over to the 2nd of May, here we are, 2nd of May says here, God-given vision is always too great for one person to achieve alone. God calls people like Gideon. He had his 300. But you know what? No matter who you are, you need to be a part of something. You need to be able to let God bring people around your world. Let me go back to another one. Here's one uh, coming back. When's this one? This is the 21st of March, if I go there. I wrote this down as I felt the Holy Spirit say it to me. So if the tone seems a bit strong, well, you take it up with Him later. This is what I wrote down. Don't you dare to shrink His will to the size of your experience, your talents or your efforts. So right through this whole season where so much conversation has been about what we can't do and what we're prevented from being able to go and do. I don't think I've ever heard the Holy Spirit speak so much to me about vision as He has in these last three months. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18 is a verse that lots of believers know. This is what it says, but I want you to take particular notice of one word in this verse. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he or she. Proverbs 29, 18 teaches us that vision is not just for the leaders. It's not just for that entrepreneurial believer. You know, the one who's always got an idea or some initiative. It's not for the selected few. It says without a vision, people perish. In other words, vision is for everybody. Listen to me. You may feel like your life is so insignificant and small. You may feel like really you could just vanish and it would make no difference. But I'm here to tell you tonight that you matter. I'm here to tell you tonight that the role, the part you play is so important and so significant you may never know how important it is until that day where you stand before Jesus and all the books are open. And it says the books of all the works that we've done are open. Not the, the, the Lamb's Book of Life, your name's in that, but He brings out the rewards. And I am absolutely sure that some people there are gonna be aghast not only at the reward, it'd be like you ever seen one of those award ceremonies where the person receiving it genuinely doesn't seem to know they were going to win. And they go, what, what, me? I didn't even prepare a speech. I never thought I'd win. That'll be that times a gazillion 
on that day when we stand before the great throne of God. And Christians are going to go, I didn't know I had that impact. I didn't know those words made a difference. I didn't know that what I was doing was important at all. The truth is, listen, vision is for everyone. It's not for just somebody who's got a title or has some great sense of call. It's for every one of us. And so that's why tonight I want to speak to us about keeping vision. Because I've discovered so many people catch glimpses of what they can be or what should happen, the way the world ought to be impacted, whether it's in their personal life, their ministry, their family, their business life, but they don't keep vision. I've discovered vision is not like some robust rock that God drops in your path, the immovable body. I've found it's much more delicate than that. I've found you can lose it with careless words. You can sacrifice it with wrong associations. I've discovered that vision in a moment of of depletion or physical tiredness, you can lay it aside like I spoke about in the first session of this, in this morning's message, where even the great prophet Elijah for a moment becomes visionless. So this session, I want to follow up from that and I want to teach you how to keep vision. How do I stay not just enthusiastic, not just uh, obedient or faithful as many people think about it? You know, the Apostle Paul says, you know, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And he wasn't saying that about the moment on the road to Damascus. He was saying it about all of his life to that point. All of his days had been every day charting and following. And there were good days and there were tough days. But every day, he said, I'm a visionary person. I'm not just a dreamer with I hope and I wish. But vision had stayed alive in his heart. And I've discovered you can have great vision burning in your heart. I'm going to teach on that in a minute. But first of all, I want to go to an interview that I did just a week or so ago with some people that lots of us in Metro Church have known and loved, and now they're uh, moved over to Paris in France. So let's hear from Jeremy and Natalia McCraw. Here they are. Hi, everyone. We're here today with some people that I know most of you know quite well and love. And of course, that's Jeremy and Natalia McCraw and David and Oliver. Not sure if David and Oliver are going to make an appearance, but certainly Jeremy and Natalia are. They've moved to Paris in France. Hey guys, great to have you with us here at Metro Church Online. Hey, Hello, Church. We miss you guys. We love hey. you guys. We miss you. Thank you often. Yeah. yeah, we're the same. Hey, listen, we all know here in Australia at any rate that France has been one of the most hard hit nations when it comes to COVID-19. Just give us a bit of an insight into what that plays out like in daily life in Paris. Yeah, I think uh, it's the whole thing, as we all know, started in, in Asia and it was kind of an issue that was seems far away. And then very close soon, it became Europe, became the new epicenter. And Paris being a big metropolitan city with everybody on the metro. And uh, before we knew it, there were hundreds and uh, thousands of cases. And so um, we went into... Uh, confinement or total confinement mid-March, I think, um, which was a couple weeks maybe before it happened in Australia. 
Um, so everything just went into stay home and you're only allowed to go out for um, necessities like buying groceries or um, I think you had, you could go for a walk at the beginning and then they said that can only be in the morning or in the late evening. And so really we needed to stay home. Um, so there was a lot of uh, war mentality, I would say. I mean, that was the kind of language that was used as well by the politicians. This is a war against an invisible enemy, you know, so wow. we need to make sure that we adhere to the rules. And I think that was real, um, it, it was helpful because it got people into, okay, I need to listen to the instruction. But at the same time, people were fearing for their lives and, you know, not yeah. sure. And there was a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And so if, I guess the best way to describe it, it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster. And then you go, okay, here we are. I think it was, what, eight weeks into this. Um, and With you, a three-year-old and a almost one-year-old. That must have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was lots of fun. <laughs> Most of the times we're not hilarious. <laughs> I can only imagine what working from home was like. Huh? Yeah, it's most of the time trying to keep people from getting hurt <laughs> and feeling the, no effect of the lockdown. I can actually remember recently we just took David to get a haircut and it was madness. There were kids that had, you know, hair past their shoulders and they just, you could see they hadn't had any haircut the whole winter <laughs> and then coronavirus happened and these poor kids. So we went in and it was really um, quite strict and David immediately felt really nervous, you know, and so I told him that's what we're trying to create here is a space where you can have freedom to run and to play and not have to worry about any of this. That's the big thing. You're going to get past this him. and it's going to be yeah. fine and we're all going to move on from this. He needs to not fear. He would say, guys, there's too much coronavirus here. We need to go back to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've heard that story. We told everybody how, what a great prophet David was. Listen, one of the things that I felt like God has started, been speaking to me about every week, even before I'd heard of COVID-19, was about vision. I remember the first week the, the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, it's time to seek the Lord. And I set aside time every week where I just go, I'm just going to go and pray. And I journaled all that. And one of those things was all about vision, that our vision's too small. And I wanted to ask you about this because... You both have made some massive shifts in the short time you've been married. You know, you moved from the US where all your family are uh, to Australia. Uh, then you've moved after a few years from Australia to uh, France where, Natalia, you're fluent in French, but Jeremy has had to learn the language. And I just wanted to ask you about that leading of the Holy Spirit which every believer wants and we all say is the most important thing. And yet sometimes God will turn up and tell you things you really don't want to hear and that are certainly taking you out of your comfort zone. Can you just give us a bit of a, a window into how did that play out for you both as a young married couple, then as young parents? Yeah, I think for me, this has been the biggest challenge for me to overcome mentally and the COVID process of being confined, it gives us as believers an opportunity to really listen to God's voice and to try to align our passions and our vision for, you know, what we can do as a sustaining um, passion where you don't feel that burnout and God's breathing on an opportunity and it aligns and you get a chance to think. And I think a lot of us during this time period where we were confined, literally to a, an apartment 
this is where you start thinking, you know, okay, God, what is the bigger vision? And we spend quite a bit of time thinking personally about, you know, we do we start um, some initiative or some business or something that we can do for God's kingdom and be the hands and feet of God? You know, this was not a time, and there were times where at the beginning you think, oh, gosh, you know, if we're going to be confined for what we thought there was two weeks, we just got to get through it. But that's not the mindset we need to have. It's that visionary mindset of, okay, after the confinement, where am I going to be going? I'm ready. I'm ready to launch. I'm ready to move into something. And um, we can get caught up in the trap of being busy and just filling our lives with our routine. And in a way, I think we have to be grateful for this time to not be so busy with the routine and to just be still and to plan and to think. But also I think what's been a really big wake up call is we realize how vulnerable we are as a society. We realize how quickly things can change. And in a way, what really matters. And I think those are all really important perspectives that you need when you're thinking long term and when you're thinking about the vision and you know what's God trying to do in this season. And I think if you just assume that it's going to be same old, same old and the same routine that you've known is always, that's not reality. So I think it's, it's caused us to really go, oh, hang on, like things are completely changing. And the, the, the past 10 years, prepared us to have you know this experience the technology we're you know benefiting from today wasn't available 10 years yeah. ago so it's just moved so quickly yeah. so i think that part's really important as well but what's what's been really fundamental for us is you can get caught up in in the storm and, and in the tide but what your vision is your anchor wow. and so for us covid happened yes and you could just blame it and say oh everything you know that we thought god spoke is, is not valid because it's not going to work now, but that's not it at all. Wow. I think you have to really stay really held, uh, stay strong to that anchor, which is the word of God and what he's speaking to your life and uh, using that time to really reflect. Yeah. You know, it's also been really interesting for us because when we moved, we, you know, you have this idea that you're going to start this new season and the doors of heaven are just going to be burst <laughs> wide open. Bird song will happen. The rays just cloud with the sunlight. There's no birds. Here. I think that's a Disney movie you're describing right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Over here, it's more pigeons. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, but I think we we immediately stepped into living in a small temporary accommodation, and then just around the turn of the year, there was the longest transportation strike in French history, which was included our furniture, wow. which was oh, about six weeks without furniture. We had an inflatable mattress. We borrowed furniture from our <laughs> friends and went to Sounds Amazon. Sounds great. Like, Vision yeah, is very yeah, so, exciting, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly how we thought it would be. And then we get, we kind of get our furniture, things start to get back to normal, and then we have to have the confinement period. So it's been a constant season of Good on you. almost like a big transition still. Right. And so, but I think, like she was saying, the anchor of the vision, the plan that God yeah. has for you, you can still, even though there's still kind of this chaos and it's not working the way you originally thought there is a plan to this and you have to lean into the word of god you have to lean into what he's told you and rely on what you feel is that leading sense of god like i just think the greatest thing any christian ever does is to say to the lord what do you want me to do and i'm proud of you both for i think they're just such big shifts and I'm proud of a young couple and a young family saying, we don't know what it all looks like. We're not sure how this is going to go, but we are doing our best to follow the leading of God. 
Hey, listen, I know that there's a special treat for everyone. I'm going to share the word in a minute, but uh, then you guys are going to come back and sing. And anybody that's known you while you were here at Metro, well, I kind of feel like you're still in, you're certainly in my heart still the same anyway, uh, but will remember this amazing song that you two both sang that gives, uh, gives me goosebumps thinking about it, not even just hearing it. So thank you for sharing a part of your life with us. We love you guys. Love David and Oliver. Thank you for this. And we look forward to hearing you shortly on this great song. Thanks. We love you guys. Love you, Metro. Hey, what a great interview. I love those kind of moments. And, you know, they're not scripted, by the way. Uh, and you're going to hear in my preaching uh, some of the points that, uh, quite frankly, we never organized to be like that. But I think God did because he wants us to hear something from him in this service. So let's get right into this and let's start at Luke 5, verse 4. I'm going to read a few verses more perhaps than normal, but I want you to get this whole story. It says when he, and that's Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Simon Peter, the Apostle Peter, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets for, to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll let the nets down again. And this time the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now watch this. When Simon Peter realised what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and listen to this. This is a remarkable statement. You've just had a miraculous thing through this encounter with Jesus. Listen to what he says. He says, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they'd caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus doesn't kind of be flippant about it. He replies to Simon Peter and says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Here's the first thing I want you to get about keeping vision in your life. So often the enemy tries to use our mistakes, our flaws, and if we're honest, we've all got them. But he tries to use those to basically get us to lay vision down on the basis that we're not worthy. That somehow or other, why would God want to hang around me when I'm somehow or other unworthy of his help, that he wouldn't use me in this vision. Simon Peter, at the moment of Jesus' call, his inadequacy overwhelms him. I talked a little bit about that this morning. But if you want to keep vision, listen to me very clearly. Because if you want to keep vision, you have to stand firm on his righteousness his grace and his call 
on your life. His righteousness means this, because 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says that He has been made our righteousness. In other words, my right standing with God never did depend on how well I behave, on how obedient I am, But when I say yes to Jesus, and I know some people want to take this or the power of it away, they'll talk to you about, well, it's not greasy grace and you've got to do this. But can I tell you that God's grace was what saved you. It wasn't your effort. It wasn't you and your desire for God that drew God, but rather it was the exact opposite. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was the one who wooed us. He was the one who called you. He is the one that saved you. Now, if He called you while you were a sinner, ignorant of Him, while you were not even caring one moment's wit for the things of God, why do you now, having said yes to Jesus, stumble and fall and then begin to think that God won't have any more to do with you? I tell you, it's the trick of the enemy. It's the enemy who wants you to give up vision because of your own personal brokenness, your own personal faults. I'm not making excuses for sin. I trust that every one of us are wanting to get closer to Jesus and have Him change our life. But I do know this, that as long as I'm on the earth, I'm still going to be a person under construction. So stand firm on His righteousness. Don't give up vision because you fail. Don't give up vision because you make a mistake. Don't give up vision because you somehow or other fall back into something that you thought you'd left behind. I've seen way too many Christians give up their destiny and their walk with God because the enemy convinced them that their mistake ruled them out and nothing could be further from the truth. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24 says, Faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. If He called me, He's the one that's going to bring it to pass in my life. It's not up to me alone. I'm sure my responses matter, but I rely on the grace of God. I often tell Jesus, I needed a Saviour at the start. I haven't stopped needing a Saviour now. I still need You, Lord, for every day of every part of my life. I know that sounds a bit weird sometimes. Some people go, oh, you're Christians, you're so, you know, you need God. Or some might go, yeah, that's because what we've embarked on is impossible. Jesus said to a bunch of people that had never been more than uh, 75 kilometres away from their home, He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel. No one had ever heard of of them. But He sent them out with a divine mandate. I know when my wife and I came here with our then two small children 30-something years ago, not knowing anybody in this part of Australia. And yet I know when God sent us, it would have been so easy to go, well, we don't have this, we don't have this, we don't know anybody. It was impossible. Of course it was. I put an ad in the church's column of the newspaper. I'm not sure anybody, if it even exists anymore. But you know, out of that, impossibility. God has raised up a great church full of great people that have great hearts for doing amazing things that are still impossible. But somehow or other, we keep on doing them. Why? Because 
we've learned to stand firm in His righteousness, stand firm in His grace and stand firm in His call. Here's the next thing if you want to keep vision is you've got to guard your heart. Lots of people would know this verse. It's well known. It's quite popular, I guess, for preachers anyhow. And uh, for every believer, in fact, Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. The word issues is a Hebrew word that's got the meaning of an exit. Like you take a freeway exit, then you're off the highway. You've gone somewhere or other else in a different direction. I've heard a lot of preaching on things to keep out. If you're going to guard your heart, keep out cynicism. It really kills vision. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I heard that one before. Nothing new under the sun. All that kind of stuff. Keep that out. I've heard about keeping out offences. How many books have been written on on a unforgiveness and resentment, bitterness, that's probably not you. What about unfairness? So many people in our world live on what's not fair. But unfairness will take vision out of your heart because instead of getting focused on what God can do, you're going to get focused on what other people are doing that they shouldn't. And that'll never keep vision in its right place in your heart. What about casualness? I've seen lots of people come unstuck on this one, just becoming a bit flippant about the things of God. Samson was certainly one of those people. He took for granted the vow that his parents had made. He took for granted the supernatural strength he had until one day it was taken from him and then he realised what he lost. What about things like fear of failure? That'll kill vision. So we've got to keep those things out But have you ever thought about the things you've got to keep in? I don't live my life, I hope you don't, thinking about all the negatives that might come my way. I'm thinking about who I want to be. It was a tremendous life change for me when I began to realise that to follow Jesus, I needed to live according to who I wanted to be, not according to who I don't want to be. It's not about giving that up, it's about saying, but who do I want to be? Who is God calling me to be? So let me give you a few things to keep in your heart. Well, straight up, I'd say softness of heart. It's the opposite of cynicism. It's the opposite of casualness. Keep softness in your life. What about forgiveness? It's an easy one to say. It's a lot harder to do. I doubt if there's a person alive, I doubt if anyone that's a part of this service doesn't have somebody in the last week that you need to forgive and let go of. It might be something so small. Maybe it was an unkind word that someone said, or maybe it's something a lot bigger than that. Maybe somebody at work has kind of really got it in for you. And if you're not careful, you know, and don't keep forgiveness in, well, that thing can rob you of the vision God's got for you. Keep forgiveness in your heart. What about stuff like keeping inside of your heart gratitude? We heard Dr. Robbie a couple of Sundays ago speaking so often about gratitude. You know, I I was listening to a podcast this week by uh, two psychologists and they were talking, not not Christians, not believers, but this guy said this. He said, we know the enormous health benefits, not only mentally, but physically, to people that practice 
gratitude. Science is saying that a grateful heart is going to be a healthier heart. Think about that. Keep that in there. Come on. Practice it every day. Never go to bed without saying, Lord, I'm grateful for what you've done in my life. Here's another one to keep in is willingness to risk. They tell me that the older you get, the longer you've been doing something, the less likely you are to risk. Well, so far, that hasn't been a problem for us here at Metro Church. We just keep on seeing vision come, keep on seeing opportunities open up, and we keep on stepping out, even though sometimes we don't know the answers or where it's going to go or what the resources are going to be. I'm, I'm proud. I genuinely am proud of the people that are in Metro Church that I see exemplify that every day. People that are leading ministries that every day embrace risk, that say we don't know the answer for this. We don't know how to go forward, but we're going to keep on doing it. All of Metro Church Online, so much of that that's happening right now and that we're about to start unveiling to everybody and saying this is what's going to happen. Do we know it's going to work? Of course we don't. But you know, we're keeping a willingness to risk and to trust God into our life. So there's a couple of things. Stand firm in His righteousness, His grace and His call. Guard your heart. Here's the third one, is protect your key relationships. Now, I haven't got this up on the screen for you, but some of you want to write this down. That division division is the death of vision. Do you realise that if the devil, if the enemy can't get at your vision, the next thing he'll try and do is aim at those close to you and to create separation or division, to divide you from others. He can read the Scripture as well as you can. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says this, that he that isolates himself or her that isolates herself, you know, seeks their own desire. They rage against all wisdom. In other words, when I break those divine connections and partnerships from my life, vision is always there. I've never met a person yet that has allowed disconnection and separation, disruption to come in those key relationships in their life that has ever fulfilled their divine potential. And yet I understand why people do. Sometimes the hurt or the pain, sometimes the... the the thing that happened that caused the break in that is so big. I think about the Apostle Paul when he and Barnabas have a big falling out. You know, and it would have been so easy to say, I'm never trusting someone ever again. But you know, they both went on. I know they went their separate journeys, but they both went in the call of God, having agreed that we are going to go forward. Don't allow division, division to be the death of vision in your life. Protect your key relationships. Look after the people that are in your world. The enemy would love if you've been around a while to get you thinking about them and that and he and she and they. One of the things we guard against in Metro Church is the us and them language. They, they said. There's no they here, it's a we. We're all in this. Together, I think I've heard that somewhere right lately. But the reality is we are in this. We're all called of God. Metro Church Online is not one person, one ministry, one individual. 
It's a whole body of people that are called. Every one of us that's a part of it recognises that God's called us into this space. So protect your key relationships. Lastly, let me say this to you. Develop your vision in your times with God. You heard Jeremy and Natalia, and again, you know, I didn't have this message already when I interviewed them, and I, I wasn't watching the video to kind of get the points. They just happened to coincide. But you heard Natalia referenced in this season has been a time, and Jeremy said the same, in this season, vision has been percolating. Why? Because some of the other distractions have been taken away, and so they've been able to develop vision in their time with God. In Luke 6, verse 12, verse 13, we are told that Jesus has got all these followers and he's about to go and call some of them to be apostles. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. I think about that and I think how quickly sometimes we, we run after vision with presumption. We kind of go, I think I know, and we get an idea. Some of us, we're a bit like a, you know, give us a new idea. We're like, we're like a butterfly or, a, you know, just flitting around. We're going to go and we do this. And, you know, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, don't associate with those that are given to, ch- to change. People that are forever. One minute they're going to do this, the next minute they're going to do that. One minute they're there, the next minute they're going to do that. I thank God for some of the things like Red Frogs. This is our 20th year of Red Frogs. You know, and most times in our church, we speak about vision. We're not talking about some completely different thing. We're talking about new things that are a part of things that have been a part of our church since day one. Why? Because vision has got to develop. We don't see the end. We allow God to keep building that in our life. One of the things I love about this passage in Luke 6 is that when Jesus spent all night in prayer with God, we have no idea what it looked like or sounded like. Do you notice that? Sometimes in Scripture, God leaves out things, not because He couldn't tell us, but because He doesn't want us to make a method into a model. He doesn't want us to go, everyone's got to do it like that. And I think this is one of those times where we're not told whether he prayed silently, out loud, whether he stood up, knelt, lay on his face, who knows. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter. The key part of this scripture is not the way Jesus prayed, but that he took time with God to allow something to be developed. Then he goes down and calls those apostles. It's a bit like the prophet Habakkuk or Habakkuk, some people say In chapter 2 and verse 1, he says this, I'm going to go up onto the ramparts, up onto the wall, and I'm going to see what he will say to me. I've discovered many times that the place where vision needs to happen is not in the busyness of my diary. It's not in those strategic meetings in the office. But most often, what most believers need is to turn everything off and to get before God and say, God, what do you want to say? God, about that appointment, about that contract we're tendering for. God, about this new arm we're thinking of open up or this new uh, addition. 
God, what do you say about that? Sometimes I've heard him say, not now, and I've got a bit upset with him because I really want to do it now. And other times I've thought, breathed a big sigh of relief because I knew I wasn't ready yet. I've learned that if you'll trust God, he'll help you along the way. And the important thing to see is I don't want to get ahead of God's vision in my life. I don't want to leave vision back there while Jeff races ahead. I want to say, God, I'm going to walk with you. I don't, I don't want to walk behind him. I don't want to be, have him out of sight. I want to walk with him. And that means spending time with God. So here they are again. Stand firm on his righteousness, his call and his grace. Guard your heart. Know what to keep out and know what to keep in. Protect your key relationships. I feel like that's a word for some of you here that you know there's people that you've just maybe taken them a bit for granted, maybe not investing in them like you should. Why don't you take the time with that? And then fourthly, develop your vision in your time with God. I pray that this will help you because I believe that our best days are these days. I believe that they're not the days of yesterday or go back to there or then. I believe they're the ones right now. I believe there's so much that God has for you and there's so much destiny that you and I are meant to be a part of. And I pray that there'll be an energetic expectation inside of your heart. Something going, God, I'm up for this. Oh, I'm praying that in this service. Many of you are going to say, God, if that's what you say, I've heard the Apostle Paul said, I'll, I'll go. Lord, then so will I. In just a minute, you're going to hear Jeremy and Natalia, just two fine, wonderful people. And they were leaders in our church before going to Paris and France. And uh, we love them. I thank God, though, for all of our team. There's no one better than another. All of our team is serving so amazingly well. But I've asked them if they would sing a song that they sang for us live here probably a year or two ago, I guess. I know it'll bless you. The song's called So Will I. But before I get them to do that, and then after that, Pastor Hayden will be leading ministry time and praying with every single one that would like that. Before we do that, let me just chat to you again, because I know in every single service, there'll be someone watching who goes, Jeff, I'm far away from God. Jeff, I've stumbled onto this, or someone told me about it, or I've watched a couple of times, but Jeff, as I watch, I realise there's something missing in my life. I realise though, maybe you know a lot about God, or maybe you know nothing about God. Maybe you've got a church background or maybe there's no church experience in your world. But you in this service recognise, perhaps for the first time ever, that Jesus wants to be close to you and in your life. The Bible says it's as simple as a yes. It really is. The start's as simple as a yes. Some people want to make it so complicated, but it's not. It's simple. Say yes to Jesus. We want to help you do that, which is why a couple of years ago we developed what we call Yes Text. You simply go to this number, 0488-826-392. If you're in Australia, you can use that number. If you're outside of Australia or you'd like to get this help to follow Jesus via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. That number again is 0488 
826392 or yes.metrochurch.org.au and you simply say yes in that text. When you do that, every day we will send you, fits on one screen of a smartphone and not much space on an email, we'll send you a scripture, a different one every day, specially selected by our team that'll help you to understand what God wants to do in your life. And then there's a prayer, a different one every day, that we hope you'll pray out loud or silently and that you'll make it your prayer to God. It goes for 30 days. There are many series after that. You can opt out anytime you like. It comes from us, no one else. We'd love to be a part of your journey with Jesus. So I want to pray for you before I get Jeremy and Natalia. At the end of my amen, we'll be cutting to their song that they're going to sing to you. Then after that, Pastor Hayden, it's been such a joy to be with you. Looking forward to seeing so many of you live in the building next week, but again, so many of you live online as well. Thank you for being a part of this service at Metro Church Online. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you right now for people that have heard your word. And God, they've heard that you've got a vision for their life, that they matter. That of all the six plus billion people on the planet Earth, you have them on your mind. I pray right now for those people that are saying yes, as they text that yes through, as they lodge it on the email, either right away or sometime during the week. I know, Lord Jesus, that you will come into their life. They will get a brand new experience. They'll be born again of the Holy Spirit and get to know you and walk with you. I thank you for them. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.